the best time of the day show. This is now a treatise on the dangers of a strong drink, ladies and gentlemen. So listen and learn. Um, some years ago, I lived in a house in Leeds, and it was a proper back-to-back terrace house, sort of one up, one up, one up. It's a bit like living in a lighthouse, really, I suppose. And uh, the living room, which you came directly in off the front door to the living room, and uh, it had a gas miser gas fire uh, with those, those radiance. And, and I had a nice, comfy rug to lie on. And I would go out and uh, basically get horribly hog-whimperingly drunk and come staggering back usually with a pizza and for a while I wonder what was happening because I mind the number of knives I had was disappearing and I realized of course I'd le- leave the knife in the pizza box after I'd finished eating and throw them away so I was throwing my knives away as well but that's by the by and uh I would very often, because I was so drunk, would actually fall asleep or basically pass out after I'd eaten my pizza in front of the fire. Okay, that's fine. However, it's not fine if you wear jeans with rivets in, because what happens then is the rivets heat up. And when they're exactly... You've seen those old documentaries of the building ships on the Clyde, haven't you? Exactly. It's like that. And when they are white hot, what do they do? They burn through... This was the 80s. They burn through your nylon underpants and mark your buttocks in a way which is just too awful to contemplate. I still have the scars to this day. And it's that thing of going, right, you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and realise that your arse is on fire. And what do you do? You, you, you take your clothes and you're peeling this burn burnt material away from your bum and realizing that uh, it looks like someone's taken uh, you know buckshot to your bum and uh, you know, f- fired holes in your underpants so you have to throw those away more or less and uh, the melted plastic and uh, the the jeans are fine but your bum isn't that's one thing that happened the other thing is never go and visit someone who is a keen DIYer and attempt to sit on a table because that is also very very dangerous if they're actually doing some electrical work at the time because friend of mine was busily doing some electrical work in his workshop and you wander in and oh, George how are you doing oh fine etc 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 and well, you know what that thing you know he's chatting he's sitting at his desk and doing bits and pieces and you think I know what I'll do is I'll just stand with me back to the, the table and I'll just hoik myself up onto the table it seemed like a good idea however if you're going to do that look before you leap because what he'd done was that it had a drawer in this table and of course with two drawer handles and what he'd done, he was busily soldering something, and he didn't have a proper soldering stand. But, of course, if you have a soldering on it, it has a little hook on it. And what you can do is you could hook it onto something. So he'd hooked it, this live, molten soldering iron, uh, he'd hooked it onto a handle on this table, on the drawer on the table. So as I hoiked myself up, exactly. Think of the princes in the tower. If it had been an inch to the right, I'd have gone too. But i tell you something, I don't need any more electrical work doing. This is a fabulous story that uh, a friend of mine who I was at school with, and he emigrated to Australia 40 years ago, and I've just sort of, a couple of years ago, got in touch with him uh, via Facebook. And uh, he's, you know, been out there for a long time, married and everything like that, and he was running a a garden centre, and his wife uh, got a job with the Australian version of Homeland Security. And this is fascinating. This is why you should never just say no, kids, because what they do to try and figure out to train the dogs and things like that and do all the uh, the necessary training for drugs uh, in people trying to smuggle drugs in what they do is an airplane an airplane will land you know in sydney or whatever and they'll send someone on after the passengers have disembarked just moments afterwards to sit down on one of the seats with some drugs on them then they'll get off and they'll send the sniffer dogs on 
and the dog will run up and down the aeroplane and they'll smell the drugs on one of the seats so then what they do is they look at the passenger manifest and find out who was sitting in that seat and homeland security come on and tap the person who's waiting in the immigration queue and take them off to jail so a friend of mine's wife lee she is the person who's dictating they want her to do the the drug thing that day so they gave her a sort of kilo of heroin which she strapped to her thigh and so everyone comes off the airplane she gets on sits down on one of the seats comes back she's dressed you know in ordinary clothing comes back and waits in the queue so they send the dog on dog goes up and down the airplane sniffs the seat they look at the passenger manifest and go right that's the person there she is waiting in the queue and suddenly there's a queue at a queue next to her and suddenly someone goes oh hello lee haven't seen you for years you isn't it yeah haven't seen you for years go oh fine you know oh i'm doing doing quite well yeah we just just we flew in just to have a bit of a holiday i knew you lived up i was gonna phone you actually i haven't seen you for about five six years brilliant Uh, just at that moment homeland security tap her on the shoulder and and she's, she's being dragged away she says uh it's not what you think it is you know i can explain i actually work for these people oh on last week's podcast, we mentioned uh, we mentioned the my American adventure road trips. I did three of them over the years, and uh, they were great fun. And I just basically go where the weather suited my clothes in many ways. And the second one, I started off in Los Angeles and went uh, down to San Diego, and then along the Mexican border and up right the way up the middle to Niagara Falls and then turned right and headed out towards Maine and once I was in Maine coming down through to Boston I I stopped uh, one night it, it was probably you know quite near sort of Martha's Vineyard and Hyannisport and all that sort of area I'm not entirely sure I can't remember now and um, went into a bar as my wont and it was great actually it was a nice dive bar I love those sort of things like there's no windows to the outside it's dark and there's you and there's a selection of other people sitting there on stools in a long bar and people started talking we go there's only about five of us in there we started chatting there was a wonderful cross-section of people including a bloke who would only make sense half the time and i wasn't entirely sure how this was working but i could only understand about every third or fourth word which is a bit bizarre and then someone suggested well we should take it in turns putting money in the jukebox which is brilliant and also then the shots started all this sort of stuff so it got a bit sort of you know it got a bit messy after that and yeah i'd go and then we had a fantastic jukebox so you could put some stevie ray vaughan on and someone else would put the beatles on this sort of thing you know but great really got a bit of charlie parker this is most fantastic and this bloke was still gibbering away and he was very entertaining but i'm really not too sure what he was talking about and in the end you know when you've had enough you can ask anybody pretty much anything they're not going to take offense and i said look i'm really sorry okay i know i'm a brit and everyone because that was the thing if you're a brit in america they put most people think you're australian anyway uh although in in the middle of nowhere i did have two guys in a petrol station who thought i was french uh, what no i'm from england oh you're the guys of the queen right yeah that's right we're the guys of the queen and um anyway this bloke was babbling away i said look i'm really sorry about this i'm really enjoying your company i'm having a great night here but I can only understand about every third or four word, fourth word you say. He says, ah, oh, that's very simple, uh, because I'm an Arcadian. He says, what? Yeah, uh, there's Louisiana Arcadians and Acadians up in this area. We're French. There's an element of French involved in our... So we speak French and English. I said, well, why... You seem to be doing both at once. He said, yeah, that is, that's, there is a reason for this. I said, well, why is that? Well... Back in the 60s, I took so much LSD, I've burned most of my brain out. So therefore, I can't remember completely both languages. So I've 
have to sort of flip between the two in order to try and make myself understood. I said, well, it doesn't really work then, does it? He said, no, but I know what I'm talking about. It's just that everybody else has a problem with it. Have you ever been locked out of your house? I'm sure it happens to all of us, and these days you're probably a bit more organised than I was back in the day, and so you'd have you'd keep a key with a neighbour or something like that, or maybe invest in one of those little key safes which you can bolt to the wall, and as long as you remember the combination, it's fine. Now, I lived at the time on a house which didn't have a front garden, and the front door opened directly onto the pavement. Came home one morning after working a night shift, put my key in the lock, and suddenly the whole barrel and the contents of the lock just came out with the key springs and levers everywhere which meant that i was unable to get because i didn't have a back door it's the only way i could get into the house and the windows of course were all locked what was i going to do well being a resourceful chap there was a wonderful um hardware shop called butler's famed emporium which was just uh, it was the it was a proper hardware shop with zinc baths and things like that hanging from hooks on the ceiling and if you could buy nails by the ounce this sort of thing i even bought a gas mantle in there once and if i actually got in and asked for a sort of 1957 uh, lamborghini uh, crown wheel and pinion or something like that they probably would have had one wrapped in some oily paper at the back but i went in there and said and remember this by this time it's it's, it's a sort of friday morning and there's quite a number of people around because it's about 11 o'clock and it's a sunny day people are out people are going past because it's quite a tourist attraction this shop as well and so i went in there and it's if you've ever been in a crowded shop and uttered the words i'd like to buy a jemmy please you may as well be wearing a little mask and having a bag marked swag over your shoulder and wearing a stripy shirt i looked like mr burglar in my head but everyone stuck up so i bought a jemmy and went back to the house and standing outside the house bearing in mind it's about 11 11 30 by this time sunny day lots of people milling about and put the jemmy in the sort of door jam there ready to tear it open i'd also bought a screwdriver as well thinking a screwdriver is always useful anyway even though i didn't know exactly how it was i was going to operate this and there's a thing about being british is that People know what's going on or think they know what's going on, but they don't really know how to tackle it. So what do we British do? We look at each other with that. I think I know what you're doing, but I'm too polite to say anything because I'm British. And you think, yes, I am doing what you think I'm about to do, but I'm British and I'm too embarrassed to say something about it as well. And what happened was just as I got the jemmy there, someone was walking on the pavement and stopped and looked at me. And with all the dignity that I could muster, I said, excuse me, I'm breaking into my own house if you must know. And with that, the person went, OK, fine. So if you want to burgle someone's house and you're stopped by the police or whatever, just say, excuse me, I'm about to burglar or i'm about to break into my own house if it's all the same to you and they'll be quite happy with that i would imagine i i actually did prod the lock with the uh, the screwdriver and luckily it opened at that particular point which is great that house was an amazing it was at like fort knox because i remember my mother coming around when i was out once uh, to meet a friend of hers who lived locally and were, i think they'd opened the sherry as well and they locked the door and somehow they double locked it from the outside slammed the door and they weren't able to get the door open and there was no back door so 
the site of they managed to open a window that the rather unedifying site of well in those days two, two women in their mid-70s trying to climb out of a lower floor window uh, was quite an interesting they did actually get uh, someone else to come and help them uh, but they couldn't get in so therefore uh, it was it was okay in the end but the thing is you just go you know what you could have just waited till I came home because you weren't really going to go anywhere. But anyway, there was a telly and stuff like that. You had a bottle of sherry. Everything was fine. But no, they decided they were going to go out the, the window. Presumably, if they'd been stopped by the same person who had actually stopped me when I was about to jimmy the front door, they'd have said, excuse us, we're climbing out of our own house, if you must know. The best time of the day show is back Monday. Please, please stay. Best time of the day show is a loading zone production. La di da.